Welcome to Do It For The Gram and Enneagram podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach, Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and our communities. I am so enthusiastic today. We have such an amazing guest on the show today, Catherine Bell. I am super excited to actually really get to know you a little bit through this interview and really dive in. Let's go intro music. the Enneagram? Are you serious about growing and being liberated? Do you love to learn and grow in a safe community? Well, my Kaizen Community Enneagram program is perfect for you. I teach 12 weekly classes on Thursday night. I am only taking around 15 people. I would rattle off more details and all the benefits, but I'm pretty sure you would rather read them and get back to this episode. So simply go to kaizen-enneagram-community.com mn.co or check out the show notes or find the IG page bio with the link tree or go to kaizencareers.com to find out more information. Learn and grow in safe community with others who love the Enneagram. Sign up while spots are still available. Hope to see you there. All right. So Catherine, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? First of all, I want to say thank you, Milt, for what you do and for creating and sticking with this podcast. I'm sure you've helped tons of people, so stick with it. Thank you. (laughs) So Catherine Bell, founder of The Awaken Company, and The Awaken Company is an award-winning and best-selling book. I also consult to organizations on how to create healthy corporate cultures which is what I think is really needed right now. I am also a co-founder of an app that's going to be launched very soon called Awakenly. And I am business partners with Ross Hudson on a number of initiatives. In addition to that, I believe that we've all got to take a stand in our communities. So I'm involved and created something called the Awaken Project, which helps female entrepreneurs to start their own businesses. I'm also involved with the Science Center and the Impact Society, which helps youth. So I am in the world, hopefully not too much of it, and uh, <laughs> love life, and I'm loving being with you. And you're giggling. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I love this so much. And so you wouldn't by any chance be a type eight, would you? <laughs> Type eight with a wing of seven, social, sexual, almost neck and neck in terms of instinct and blind spot self-prez. So I have to work on my self-prez a lot. In fact, when Russ and I check in on our meetings, because we're both blind self-prez, we both talk about what are we doing to take care of our self-preservation? So for everybody listening, if you're working with people, check in on your instincts, see where you are and help each other in terms of where you're strong and what you need to work on. Oh my goodness, yes. And I know this because 
you know, being a seven and hearing you as an eight, you know, understanding how full your plate is, because you kept going on. You was like, I do this and also this in addition to this and I'm doing this. I resonate so deeply with that. It's crazy. It's just so many things going on. What I love most is that really trying to improve our community and our world. So something that you mentioned that I want to kind of talk about a little bit, because, and I've heard this through different people teaching, we kind of live on a horizontal and a vertical plane. Like there's a vertical one that's very spiritual and there's one that's horizontal, which is like tactical, real day, practical. How do we live in this? What can we do now? And there's obviously overlap and we have to get information from the vertical. So we live life, not purely egoic. But in this horizontal world, there's things that we can do to improve the way life is. And I think improving the way corporate companies do things is so important because they have so much power, you know? And so can you speak to why that has become like your niche, your area where like really working with corporate companies to make them actually awakened really fires you up? Mm, Yes. So I'm a serial entrepreneur, as you've heard, and I haven't even actually really touched on the multitude of things that I'm involved in. And what inspired me to create The Awaken Company and to really dive into this corporate culture work was my experience as one of Canada's top executive recruiters. I founded uh, Profit 20 in Alberta, Profit 200 company in Canada by doing things radically differently. I was really tired of walking into organizations. Number one, typically the only female in the boardroom. Number two, the organizations felt dead, felt lifeless. They'd feel like the breath was sucked out of them. So I, with my co-founder, Shahana, did things radically differently. Over a decade ago, we are doing mindfulness breaks. We did unlimited vacation and we created this firm that was like a blooming forest as a result of doing things differently. And I'm like, it's all the different little small things that we can do to create a healthy culture. And I wanted to help organizations because I believe our organizations and by organizing differently, we will and can change the world. And that's the only way we actually can. So that catalyzed me in terms of wanting to build the Awaken Company, write the book, and create a different, almost a different mantra or prayer for our world. I love that. One thing I am curious about, because to do the work and to do the multitude of things that you're doing and truly trying to do it from a place that is healthy and holistic, you have to do your own inner work, right? You just mentioned earlier that like (laughs) self-prayers is blind instinct for you. So what are some things that you do internally or inner work that you do to make sure that you are at your best so that when you're engaging with the world and corporations, you're putting your best foot essence forward in the way that you operate? This is such a great and important question. And it's a question that is foundational for everything that I do, because if it's not mindstreamed, informed, then it's often for me, ego informed. So every day, every morning, and I actually just started this particular practice at the beginning of July. I have a dedicated practice every morning that I do. It takes about 45 minutes to an hour, and it's based on the Vajrayana or Dzogchen tradition in Buddhism. And this particular lineage led by Lama Solstrom Alioni in Boulder, Colorado, well, the Terra Mandalas at Boulder, Colorado, really speaks to me because it's informed by a female Lama 
my female teacher, Charlotte Rotterdam, and I, we meet every month and go through how is my actual practice? How am I practicing? And so I sit, I sit, and I sit. And often throughout the day, I will take 10 minutes and I will sit to just align to that vertical component that everybody has access to. And everyone has the invitation to have access to. And then what I find for me, it's almost like a lightning bolt then that goes through my being and lands on the cement so that I can act in a more deliberate and conscious and awakened fashion. And I'm still awakening. For me, everything is a catalyst and is nutrition for how do I be better in the world? How can I have the most positive impact for everybody? And that's a big thing for me to have positive impact for everybody. And I take a stand for that. So part of my tradition, there's peaceful deities, there's semi-wrathful deities, and there's wrathful deities. And wrathful is kind of the catalyzing of the eight, of how do I use that anger and morph it into love and still act in that way so that I show up. I show up for everybody in a very deliberate fashion so that the world can become a better place. Because actually, often we think, oh, the way it's always been done is the best way. Well, that's not true. What's been shown is that the more diverse our thinking is, the better we actually perform. And this is business research. So I love to bring business research, so empirical evidence, practical know, and wisdom tradition to life. And that's really what I do every day, whether I'm teaching at the university or in with a top CEO working on their corporate strategy. We've compartmentalized our lives. And I think that does us a disservice. I think we need to bring our whole selves to work, our whole Enneagram types. We all have nine types within us. But knowing the Enneagram, we can actually do something about it. Whereas most people, if you don't know the Enneagram, they're acting from automatic. So how do we help awaken? And everybody on this podcast, I really invite you to think about how can you send ripples out into the world and be that positive catalyst for change? I actually did Centering Prayer before I hopped on uh, this podcast, by the way, a 20-minute sit of Centering Prayer, because internally, my ego be doing this thing, and I'd be like, uh-uh, calm down. Like we got <laughs> And so does the practice that you do, because I got two ways I want to go with this. I'm going to go with this question first, and then we'll go to the second one. The practice that you do, does that help with your self-prayer blind, being able to like sit like for 10 minutes is this something that helps with the self-pressed blind part as well? Absolutely, because otherwise you can guess where my energy would go. It wouldn't go to... Exactly, exactly. So Milk just stuck his hands out and he's exactly right. Like my energy is naturally out and I need the universal fuel of sitting the universal fuel of cultivating my own inner sanctum, my own inner body, so that I can be a positive catalyst for what I take a stand for. And if I'm not taking care, if I'm not providing nutrition, healthy nutrition, in terms of sitting for myself, and which is self-care, and it's hard. I, I set my alarm early to make sure I can do this practice. And some mornings I'm like, I just want to hit snooze. I don't want to do it. And yet it kind of, it sets me up in a totally different way. It makes me consider things 
in a different way, in a fresh way. And also it brings a huge amount of compassion for myself and for other people. And I can get also really um, hyper and it gets me grounded so that the reality of being becomes me versus letting my ego, that duality drive me, that control, that unsatiable need actually, the lust for life. And for all the eights here, take a seat. Just take a seat. And you know what's interesting is we actually become more powerful when we take a seat. So, for example, with my a number of courses that I offer with Russ, my role is to hold space. And Milt, that's been a practice for me. Like to hold space, to hold everybody, all of our guests, to hold what Russ is teaching, just to hold space. And that's a massive practice. And it's almost the cultivation of the opposite that I'd invite everybody. As you look at your Enneagram types, what's the opposite that needs to be cultivated? Mm-hmm. So I would invite everybody to consider that. And at the same time, for me to empower for example, being the only women in the boardroom often to empower myself at the right times to bring that holistic love, wisdom, power to those meetings. So it's dancing around the mandala of the Enneagram. How do I embody the healthy five? How do I embody the healthy seven? How do I embody the healthy two? And then bringing that to life is a real invitation. And unless I sit, make shit happen, happens. If I don't sit, but now I've dedicated since the beginning of July to sit. And I was practicing beforehand, but I was practicing kind of a piecemeal of different practices. So I do Tara, I do Prajnaparamita, I would pray, I would, but this is like, okay, I'm going to do this dedicated. It's a discipline, 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 discipline. Yes. Oh, discipline. So you're going in a place that I want to go in. I have another avenue, but this one hit and I think it's perfect. I love what you said about how you meet with your teacher and you talk about how is your practice. I think this is so important because the consistency of our practice, I don't know how to do it. It's like the secret sauce to the inner work. Like that's the thing. It's not just purely reading a book or observing ourselves per se, it's this practice consistently, daily, the discipline to it. So can you maybe even speak to maybe the importance of it? Because I think, you know, when you learn Enneagram, people miss this part of it. But this is like, this is the crucial part. Our egos wake up every morning ready to act a fool. And so we have to do something (laughs) to make sure we are, I guess, bringing our best spiritual essence self to the day you know, or our best self that's not purely egoic or controlled by ego during the day. So can you speak to that and um, how that's impacted you? Very much so. What a great question. And you said something that kind of like just unraveled my consciousness. You said, you know, be the fool. And I'd invite everybody to be the magician, to know which tools are needed when and how to bring them to earth and bring it to life. That, to me, is what practice does. So really, to take the wisdom of the Enneagram, the knowledge of this profound personality roadmap, and to marry it with a practice that can help you ground it. So for me, with Charlotta Rotterdam, every month, and the last month, she kind of 
read me the riot act in a very kind and loving way and said, you know, where are you really at with your practices? Mm. I'm like, well, sometimes I do Prashna Paramita. Sometimes I do Tara. And she's like, "Mm." what I noticed from that question from her, I noticed my lust, my lust for wanting more and more practices and not really kind of letting the tradition sink into me and having the discipline to say, okay, what does this really mean? What does it really mean to be healthy in body, speech, and mind? So now I'm having the discipline to sit down. I'm working on spiritual discernment as it relates to self-preservation and as it relates to my spiritual practice and the Enneagram. And so when we know our Enneagram type, we can then really pick at, okay, what do we really need to learn here? And for me, the last little while, it's been spiritual discernment and also having an accountability partner. We call each other spiritual sisters. Mm -hmm. So as spiritual sisters, we, calimetry is another word for it, is we, we talk about these things. We talk about practice. So practice and then invitation for everybody on this podcast to have a practice partner who you talk to about these things. So I, for example, I said to Russ, Russ, just so you know, the next year I've committed to do this practice for one year. I said, Russ, just so you know, I'm doing one practice for one year and I'm very committed to it. And he got onto the bus and said, great, I'll support you. But we need each other to kind of keep each other on the cushion, whether it's a a prayer mat, a whatever it is, just to keep each other practicing. Because in essence, we're here to learn about our inner, outer and secret journeys. And if we're constantly, for me, pushing energy out, how am I really sustaining the work if I'm not on my cushion studying, practicing, contemplating life, and then let that also then ripple out for then creating more awake relationships, more awake organizations, more awake communities, more awake world. I truly believe that organizations, as I said earlier, are the way to change the world and to solve our greatest problems as long as we're not doing harm to either other people or the planet. And that's the part we need to get really more clear about, is making sure that we're having a positive ripple in the world. So my cushion rolls out into everything I do. My accountability partner in Charlotta um, has huge impacts. It's almost like I've been swept in a mind stream, in a stream of health when I sit down in my cushion. And then that healthy river takes me out into the world, into the various oceans I need to play in and swim in. And without that, I think I'd be lost. I think I would also be far more burnt out than I am. Yes. Oh, yes. You're speaking to that. And I think you're speaking to the heart of a lot of, especially eights who are in the world trying to do so much. And when the practice is missing, that burnout is real. And to be disconnected from the body is to not even know burnout's going and still be going before the body says, oh, it's official. We finna take you down. Like you're going down for a while. You know, I'm glad you spoke to that because that's super important. Something you mentioned and I think is very important. So you talk about organizations being like the one of the key true ways that we can actually make change in this world, like organizations, corporations. Something here that was kind of like beforehand written 
like in an email or something that you can really speak on because I want to hear about this. You talked about the power of pause. And I really want you to share the power of pause and self-awareness and leadership. And I want to add, I have prior to what I do now in Enneagram and all those Enneagram stuff I do, you can add a title, every Enneagram title beforehand, teacher, facilitator, podcast, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I worked in education and I really got to see what leadership, because I saw different leaders come in and out, how leadership truly impacts a whole organization for good, bad and ugly. I've seen it. And this is just a school. So can you speak to the power of pause and self-awareness, especially in leadership? Mm, yes, great question. Uh, first of all, I totally concur with what you said that, for example, my leadership casts a multitude of different colors everywhere I walk, everywhere I walk. So every leader in every organization, it will run through the organization. Their Enneagram type will affect the entire organization. So knowing that, how do we open up our leadership? to ensure that we are being holistic, that we've got every every part of us. And I just want to tap into some leadership research here before I begin. And this is a really, really, and again, I weave in business research, practical know-how, wisdom traditions. That's just the way I'm wired. So the business research in terms of leadership, there are four eyes everybody needs to think about in terms of being a true leader. Are we intellectually stimulating people? That is, are we asking them questions? Are we, do we have the idealized influence? So that is, are we walking our talk? Do we know our values, what we stand for? Do we have the inspirational motivation? So that is, are we being inspiring to people? And number four is individualized consideration. And that is considering everybody who we work with as an individual. So everyone think about the four eyes as it relates to your Enneagram type and how we walk with our Enneagram type and the four eyes. So for example, when I did research in terms of thought of leadership in organizations, less than 6% of leaders were four or five. So that's the intellectual stimulation and individualized consideration part of the transformational leadership model. So like, how do we bring that up more in our leadership? Get people to think for themselves, be for themselves, and also how do we consider people as individuals? So something for everybody to think about. In terms of being a leader, knowing our Enneagram type is key. And then pausing. At Blue Arrow, which is the executive search firm that I founded, we had mindfulness breaks. And keep in mind, this is over a decade ago. Anyone could call it. We called it a stillness break at the time. Anyone could call it and we'd go into the boardroom and we'd just sit. No agenda. We would just sit and be, and then we'd put a timer on at the end of the timer, we'd disperse. And it would set a totally different ripple in terms of how we were with each other, with our clients, and in our community. So invite everybody on this call to maybe integrate stillness breaks into their organizations. Now, let's do a little practice now. You're a leader, you're about to go to a meeting, and let's do an experiential practice right now. Milt. So I invite you, if you're an assertive type, which I am, which I believe, Milt, you are as well, I'd invite the assertive types to perhaps close your eyes. And those who are not assertive, close your eyes if you want or don't, but it's your choice. You might want the energy of the external world. It's up to you. So close your eyes. And let's do some deep belly breaths. 
often people are just breathing from the top part of their lungs. And when we do belly breathing, it helps to ground that vertical dimension more fully so that we can be present in the horizontal dimension. So a few deep belly breaths. So there's one practice right there is just to sense the different use of your breath and to play with your breath in terms of what you need. Often we need more grounding, less shallow breathing. So breathe into your belly. Now, I'd like you to bring your awareness to your right arm. And you know what? I just had something come in. For those of you who think you don't need to do this, you probably need to do this more. So breathe into your belly, awareness to your right arm. Now, awareness to your right leg. Awareness to your right leg. Next, awareness to your left leg. Awareness to your left leg. Then, awareness to your left arm. Awareness to your left arm. Now awareness to the top of your head. Awareness to your ears. What are you hearing right now? Awareness to your nose. What are you smelling right now? Awareness to your mouth. What are you tasting right now? Awareness to your sit bones. Notice the pressure or lack of pressure in your sit bones right now. Now take your right hand and place it at your heart. And with appreciation for all that you are and all that you're will touch during your day, I invite you to go forward into the next moment with this awareness of your body and being here. Thank you. Thank you. So how did you find that, Milt? How is that invitation for leaders to do that mini practice before they move forward in the day? It's one thing that, like the practice, I loved it. And I love the way that you did it too, using the words awareness to, awareness to. I really like that. When I go and do presentations, like for organization, I bring in that 
avenue of like we start everything off with some type of breathing practice. One, because usually I definitely need it (laughs) personally. But more than that, it is exactly what you're talking about. Let's bring our whole selves here. Let's be connected with our bodies, our hearts, and our minds, like in this spot, this moment right here, because we get lost so much. And literally, like you talked about, just the deeper breathing, longer, slower, deeper breathing into our bodies, because there's so much going on in those constrictions in our bodies. They hold a lot of the automatic reactions of our Enneagram type. And in order for us to truly move past some of those that work through them, we, we have to be able to breathe deeply within ourselves so that we can be more receptive. Um, so our ego doesn't have such a strong hold and grasp upon us. So love it. I love that. I love the way you did it because that's, that's not a way I've done it before. And so I love the difference in it. And I love it for, and for everyone listening, just like you were saying, these are things we need to bring into our organizations, period, groups, organizations, whatever. When there's a group of people, especially if you've had a lot of issues in a group, like say you're trying to make a decision and it's like you just keep running this same circle over and over again. This is a practice that needs to be brought in 110%. It's just true. And I do it in most groups, and there's one group that I know I need to bring it to. But while we were doing it, like when my mind popped up, it's like, you need to be doing this in a certain group that you're not doing in because we're having a lot of little internal conflict. Let's do it there. So that popped in my mind, and we will do this Wednesday. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Because <laughs> we have a meeting coming up, and it's just, you know, different perspectives on good things, but we're not just aligned just yet. So we're, we're going to use this so that we can all be here and bring more of ourselves to the meeting, right? So we can move in alignment. So that's so important. Thank you for that. Experiential. Yes. Experiential. It is. It's about how are we in life? So when I interviewed Zappos for the book, they said, we do R&D, which is rip off and duplicate. So literally people can take that meditation and R&D it, just use it in your organizations. The other thing that I would really recommend people do and invite everybody in meetings to do, and it's something Gurdjieff did. And that is the stop exercise. So just in the middle, anyone can say stop. And we recalibrate. We come back to ourselves and begin again. And once a a team has created norms around this, it can be very, very, very powerful. It might be very alarming, Milt, if you went in Wednesday and just said stop. But you might want that effect. I don't know. But we need these exercises brought to the world. They aren't just for spiritual groups and to talk about na, 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 na. No, we need to do it. We need to activate it. First of all, I love me some Gurdjieff, but I love things like randomly yelling stop. You know how many times I've wanted to yell that in a meeting? I'm going to bring some norms to some groups around there because that is going to be used. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that one. Because that one right there, seriously, you know, there's things be going on. You could just feel the energy going in a weird way and you're like, hold up, mm, hold up. And to yell stop and so everyone, anyone can yell stop. So we like recalibrate is so important. Oh my goodness. So important. And other things that I've used in the past is the rubber chicken. So when somebody's over talking, you throw them the rubber chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, we need to apply our creativity to get out into the world and up, and create better impact for everybody. Oh, my goodness. These are all things that I feel like I will incorporate just because 
I mean, the over-talking is so real in groups. And I try to set ground rules around it when I'm doing like a specific community that I do. But like corporate, those organizations, yeah, there needs to be norms around it. Oh, I like that. Mmm. Rubber chicken. It's so the rubber chicken. That's another pause tactic. There's so many different ways we can use the the pause. The other thing that I think we can use pause around in our organizations is to start meetings with our vision, with like why we're here. So start with what the vision is, so that people actually start to remember visions. Because often I'll go to organizations, they won't have a clue what the vision is, and we need to begin end in mind. So what is the vision for the organization, and then ask. Who do we have to be to get to where we want to go as it relates to our different Enneagram types, how we're developing, how we're working, anything we can do to cause people to come back to themselves, to make them remember that they have the opportunity to be so much more than their default. That's a real invitation. There's so many different ways that you are just giving these wonderful examples of how to pause, great ways to insert pauses so that one, we can be more self-aware, you know, because everyone's been in a group or a meeting and you f- you just feel yourself getting fired up. You feel your ego and it's taking you a certain place. It's a strong force. Like you're going with it too. You're like, yeah, this person's so wrong. I'm on this side or whatever, all this type of stuff. And then if you just take a moment and pause and like really check in how your body has become like so energized or so constricted in so many different places, it's like, whoa, let me, let me breathe and calm down some so I can get things back online and try to see. So that's, ooh. Uh, And the other thing we can bring in is when we're in that spot. So when I feel hot, like literally my body goes red. Yeah. So that to me is always a warning sign. When my body feels red, I'm like, okay, I'm getting too real. How do I need to be competent in this situation? And how do I need to be positive? So using the law of, of three, I'm being too real. How do I be competent and how do I add positivity to this? So just some questions for people to ask themselves. If they're a competency type, how do they be positive? How do they be more real? So we can all kind of play or, for example, in your case, your positive outlook. So how do you be more real and more competent and bring that into our frame to pause and use that as nutrition for a more awakened response if a response is needed at all? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I love this so much. Uh, you know, this is this is super juicy. So my master's degree is in leadership. So everything you're talking about with corporate stuff, I'm like, ooh, this is... You used the word earlier when we were speaking before the podcast, you used the word delicious. <laughs> like, I was like, listening to this, this is very delicious to me. This is brain food right now, <laughs> even body food. So I, I'm really, really appreciating this. I think one more thing that I really want to, I guess, touch on or maybe just get your, I guess, opinion or or view on is when working in organizations, what has been like some of the most transformational experiences that you've received by using like your model? Like what is some of the most transformational experiences that you've like experienced or received? First, I just want to go to your comment on delicious because that really woke me up. So how in organizations are we tasting things? How are they delicious to us? How are they how do they smell organic and beautiful and how are we hearing the music and how are we seeing the gorgeousness in terms of what is happening in our organizations and to use our bodily senses to activate a more fulsome perspective for companies. I think it's just huge. 
and to use metaphor. I love poetry. I also write poetry. So I have a secret Instagram account, which I'm not going to tell you because it's secret. Don't you know, <laughs> how do we do all these wonderful things in our organizations? And there was one company that we worked with. It went from zero to $1.6 billion in under five years. And it's because their focus was on how do we build a healthy corporate culture and achieve financial results. So the clients that we work with, the focus is two thirds on the business research. So back to the business research, two thirds on corporate culture, one third on financial results creates alchemy. And for me, it's like the divine feminine and the divine masculine meeting. And every organization, I believe, can do this with the right focus, intention, and activation. And The Awakened Company, the book outlines a, a model of how do we actually do that and why we should be doing it. Mm, mm. In less than five years? Oh, my goodness. There's so many things we could talk about. I'm loving this right now. Can you give people information on how they could reach you, how they can get the book, and uh, maybe some things you have coming up. Because this is this is savory. Like, this is delicious, but this is savory, and it's sweet at the same time. So it's like a little bit of both. Since we're using these flavor analogies, like I, it's savory and sweet at the same time. So I'm over here like, mm, mouth-watering about this, what we're talking about. See, that just activated me. When you use that description, it like creates a different frame. It just like, oh, yes, I can dive into this. Let's play with this. Let's energize this. So awakencompany.com, main website. And we're on Instagram, Twitter. We have a whole bunch of free YouTube videos, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. We're everywhere. And we have um, some very specific courses coming up on September 10th. We have a session that I'm doing for Enneagram Under 40. And that's inspired by Sherry, who I work with. She's like, this has changed my life. So I want us to share it with people who are more my demographic. So we're doing that. I have another creativity series coming up with Russ Hudson, and that's for the entire year. And that's practical exercises to land our creativity and get inspired by every different Enneagram type. So super stoked about that. There's only 60 spots. It's filling up quickly. So I'd suggest people sign up sooner rather than later. Also, Ginger Lapid Bogda, she's doing a massive study in over 23 countries. In fact, just this year, I've taught the Enneagram in over 23 countries. So Ginger Lapid Bogda is doing Enneagram research, and we're doing a free session. I think it's on September 15th or September 13th on what are the results of that study. So I'd suggest everybody sign up for that because you'll be getting an insight in terms of how the Enneagram is used internationally in organizations. I also have a secret group with Russ, but I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. There's like so many different juicy alive things happening. So come and play with us. Come join Enneagram Under 40, Enneagram and Creativity, Enneagram and Business Research. Please sign up. We also have a great newsletter which really aims to bring practical guidance to people in the leadership seat. So our last one is, I bombed having a holiday. So the last newsletter was, how do we actually have a holiday? Mm. The newsletter before that was, what is an accountability partner? So sign up for our newsletter. I also have the Catherine Arbell website, which is more of my personal website. And there'll be stuff coming through on that. Russ and I are working on a series of books together. A playbook for the Awakened Company about bringing this to life, one on creativity and one that shall remain secret. 
<laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> but come and sign up and you'll get glimpses into it. If people are just new to the Enneagram, I'd suggest to go to our YouTube site because during COVID, Russ and I were like, we got to do something to help people. So there's hours and hours of free content. Let's face it. Russ is one of the thought leaders in the world yeah, it's true. on the Enneagram, wrote Wisdom of the Enneagram. Over a million copies of his book has sold. He's on the YouTube. Go check him out. Go check our YouTube out. Because ours is more like the Awakening Company is about how do we actually, the Enneagram, bringing it to life in organization for the betterment of the world. Our vision so that everybody knows is to ignite and sustain the fire within with passion, purposefulness, and playfulness. So come and play with us and dance with us and have amazing meals with us and also be tantalized visually in terms of beauty. I love beauty. So getting a more beautiful world out. And it's through all the people listening. So thank you for listening to Milton and I. And I hope we've served you up some deliciousness, some beautiful grace for your day. And I hope that it serves everybody who's on this. Yes. All of that information will be in the show notes so that you can click on the different ones and check them out because there's a lot of wonderful things going on, even some secret things that we don't all know about, <laughs> which is incredible. And you said, okay, so you said we've been talking about food. And I know for a fact you and Russ are doing things together, like making content together. And so if you're working together, like in a physical space, Russ likes good food. He likes amazing food. So that means I'm pretty sure you like amazing food. Like I like amazing food. So I was in New York with Russ for three weeks and we went to the most eloquent, sophisticated restaurants. And we've been to some of the top restaurants in the world together. Like we went to Noma and we were eating ants together and we've had just an amazing experience. So yes, what kind of food do you like? If it's like exquisite, rare, really cooked well, and I'll mess with it. I'll try it. You know what I'm saying? I, I really will for the most part. We ate at a mission at the Stockholm retreat. We ate a mission star restaurant there. I have to look it up. What's the name of it again? But like it was really good. Like, you know, like you've had like a full experience where it's like I ate this food and it felt like I experienced a lifetime of something. I don't know what it was, but I experienced a lifetime. You know, that's so true. So we would go to great restaurants and then go to theater. So we went to see Hamilton, which I adored and Hades Town, And then we saw one on the Talking Heads and just incredible. And one of my favorite rest stories is we're in New York working on the Awakened Company. And I had the agenda. And I'm like, let's fucking do this. Like, let's, we're really going to focus here <laughs> and get this done. Well, next thing you know, in the middle of the afternoon, Russ says, no, no, we're going to go to the National Museum of Natural History <laughs> and look at dinosaurs. <laughs> I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But lo and behold, off we traipsed off. And it was incredible. And it created a whole different perspective for the book in terms of we need a larger perspective of things that have lasted a long time. And we're here just for a nanosecond. So how do we want to contribute in this nanosecond? So for everybody in organizations to also, so now, for example, our team recently, we went to the ballet together. We went to Cinderella to get different perspectives on our Enneagram type for our clients. So I'd invite everybody to consider going to the arts, going to a great restaurant, going to a restaurant that you wouldn't typically go to. Right. Listen to music. You would, I, for example, I love music. 
Like, I absolutely, it makes me drool, except for country music. I don't really like country music. So what does that tell you about me? Quite a bit. So I'm working on learning to like country music because I'm like, there's something in my personality that needs to be worked on for not liking country music. So invitation for everybody in their work as leaders to bring that in. I remember there was one time I um, was leaving the organization to start another company and I played Blackbird by Sarah McLaughlin because that's one of my favorite songs in the world. And crows are one of my favorite birds. So I brought nature, brought music into the company. And I just, it just sets a different field. So begin your sessions with music a clip of a piece of artwork or whatever it is, but just invite in creativity because it inspires us in different ways. Anyway, I could go on and on about this particular topic, Milt, so I'll be quiet now. But I love it. But I love it. It's so important. And I, and I hope people caught that, you know, to actually bring it into the organization. I think it's absolutely super important. So for those listening, we want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Catherine, for being here. This was phenomenal. This is absolutely great. It, it is really good to meet you and like have a really good, intimate conversation. This is, oh my goodness. We're aligned in a lot of different ways. And so I love it. And so for those listening, everything will be in the show notes so that um, you can find out more about Catherine and the amazing things that Catherine is doing. The link to the secret stuff won't be in there because obviously I won't even have those links. But if you sign on to things, you may find out a little piece more from her and Russ if you join those different parts. So if you feel your ego is about to act a fool, make sure you take a deep breath and do it for the gram. The Enneagram, of course, and make a better choice. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.